3: Welcome into the Action Network podcast. We are presented by FanDuel. Today's episode, Week 10 NFL Recap and Monday Night Football Preview. We will get to the Commanders and the Eagles later in the show and also the Hot Read, which is a look ahead to Week 11. But we have a lot to get to. At least these first couple of the games, we have a lot to unpack a lot to break down your host, Brendan Glasheen with Brandon Anderson, Joe Gallant, the same suspects as usual late Sunday night. Let's just jump into Buffalo, Minnesota because wow, game of the year. You've probably heard that several times wherever you may have been to watch this football game. Definitely worth a rewatch and definitely uh, worth sinking our teeth into the way the game went. Brandon felt like the way the line moved like all weekend and really all week because we didn't know much about Josh Allen and his elbow injury and how it would affect whether or not he played or not felt like McDermott and the bills were kind of playing that up. Ooh, we're going to play him. We're not going to play him. What are we going to (laughs) do? And as it turns out, he looked okay. And uh, it was, it was a great football game. You can start us off. Give us a starting point and we'll go from there.
2: Well, I got to just recap some of the moments because it felt, as a Vikings fan, I am biased, of course, but it felt like there were like a season of moments in this game. So uh, first half, kind of have to yada yada because we have a lot to get to on this game. So it felt to me like the game was over quickly. Cousins float interception early on. The Vikings went for it on that fourth down. Didn't get anything. Bill's long touchdown. 24-10 at the half. It felt like, okay, probably game over. Cousins interception right out of the half. I even almost tweeted out for for like 20, 30 minutes. It felt like we didn't see this game on red zone. If you were watching red zone, I was like, Hey, what's happening with my Vikings, by the way, is anything happening in that game? So the bills kick a field goal to go up 27, 10, 98% win probability at that point, you're up three scores. You're the bills. The game is over. I thought next play battle of the cooks, Delvin and brother James, both running backs. Dalvin House is one 81 yards, still 27, 17 bills drive right down all the way to the seven. Josh Allen does what he's been doing this year and throws an interception in the end zone to Patrick Peterson. Then the Jill's guy, ham ham for Thanksgiving. We get a touchdown from Ham. What were the touchdown odds on him? Oh, uh, they were plus 4,000 brand plus 4,000 biggest hit of the week. <laughs> so 40 to one. If you had ham, I think it was his first touchdown in five years. So five years. Uh, the Vikings cut the score to three. Oh, wait. No, they don't because the Vikings missed the extra point, which looms large. So four-point game, three and out. Vikings get the ball back. And that's when the play happens. Fourth and 18 on their own, 27. Just throwing it up. As a kids, you play 500, just chuck the ball up and hope, to, you know, yep. 500, dead or alive. That was and... like Zach
3: Wilson a couple weeks ago against the Patriots. Oh, yeah.
2: That's like every yeah. Zach Wilson throw. And Justin Jefferson goes up, and my man made the catch of the year.
3: As we welcome you to Orchard Park with two minutes left in a four-point game. Kirk Cousins back to throw on fourth and 18. He's given time. He wants Jefferson, climbs the ladder. Oh, my goodness. Justin Jefferson pulled it in. The catch of his life.
2: Incredible, incredible catch. Surely you have seen it by now. He gets up, he high points with one hand. The Bills defender has both hands on the ball right there. Like there's a screenshot of Jefferson, basically horizontal one hand on the ball. And then the crazy part to me is he falls to the ground and the ball is falling. I was sure the ball must bounce off the ground. Like we're going to overturn this and it gets like two inches from the ground and just hovers there. And it's just strength and willpower holds it above the ground. You get the catch next play. Another Jefferson catch. We're down. Jefferson scores what I still think was the winning touchdown. They decide after reviewing, he's down. Kirk sneaks it in. Nope. Kirk doesn't sneak it in. <laughs> ball game. The Bills account even tweets out ball game. We're at 50 seconds left. The Vikings have one timeout. Literally, it's over. All you have to do is not take a safety here. All you have to do is take the snap and fall forward. The Reds don't even kind of stop paying attention in the game. And then you guys know what happened. Josh Allen fumbles.
3: (laughs) Zero breathing room. He tries to sneak it. The ball is loose. Impossible.
2: Do the Vikings have it? It is a touchdown on their last breath. Eric Hendricks recovers in the end zone for a touchdown. The refs actually decide to let that one stand. Then the Bills march down for a field goal. We go to overtime. Vikings field goal. And then I thought Allen, the 18-yard run, 20-yard run, digs a couple times. It's like, okay, here come the Bills right down the field. I promise you this. I have a lot of Vikings fan friends. Every one of us thought the game was over. Kick the field goal. The Bills are going down to get the touchdown. Everyone watching saw it happening. Here's the Josh Allen MVP moment. Oh, no. Josh Allen throws it to Patrick Peterson again. Game over. And that was that. And that was a heck of a game, and I still can't believe it. So... 480 yards or more, both teams, four turnovers for the Bills. I feel like that has to be the story because Josh Allen threw the game away a couple times, and that has become a recurring theme for him.
3: So many frustrating moments in the game, if you were a fan for either team. But with the Vikings, led by Kirk Cousins, you're almost like, yep, this is kind of what we expect. Then again, it's one o'clock, Kirk, not uh, four o'clock where it's getting darker now. Or even primetime Kirk Cousins, but some of the decisions Josh Allen made in the red zone are starting to add up, Jill. How do you pick apart this game? And by the way, yes, the the Vikings won outright and they they did cover whatever you number you got them at, they got there for you.
1: Yeah, our boss Matt Mitchell isn't gonna like what I'm about to say. I think the Bills have a Josh Allen problem. That's three turnovers in the closing moments of these games, six interceptions in his last three games. Like it's hard to blame like the botch snap, but it kind of isn't like, like you could have took a safety and you probably still would have won the game, but you allowed that touchdown and it just boggles my mind now because Josh Allen, since the start of last year and the Buffalo Bills, I can't just make wins and losses a quarterback record stat, but two and nine since the start of last year in one score games, like mm. only Justin Fields and the bears are worse at one and nine. So um, I think what we're seeing is really Josh Allen, making some kind of cavalier decisions and critical moments. And the second half defense for Buffalo just continues to be a problem. Like I said, this last week, first five games, they only allowed seven points in the second half. The last four games, they've allowed 50 points. So it's just, it's attrition is picking up. They're not closing in when they need to. Uh, But, yeah, Justin Jefferson, Brandon, uh, you got to keep her there, man, because he now has the record for 100-yard receiving games uh, in three seasons. Uh, He has more than Randy Moss. He still has eight games to go to add to that record in his first three years. Uh, He was plus 600 for Offensive Player of the Year coming into this game. I imagine he's going to be pretty close to Tyreek Hill now going forward, and uh, I would still be considering both of them as co-favorites at this point. But Josh Allen, uh, for all the negative that I just brought up, he did rush for 86 yards. So, I mean, he did top his rushing yard prop again, uh, 11 of the last 14 games if you include the
3: playoffs. But uh, the AFC East is up for grabs. We were giving the Bengals all this credit for their defense for not allowing a second-half touchdown for four four-five-week stretch. The Buffalo Bills, since their win at Kansas City, have <laughs> not scored a touchdown in the second half in three straight games.
2: I had that stat too. It's a pretty wild stat is, is, you know, we came out of that game basically crowning Josh Allen the clear MVP favorite I did. I guess I won't give you, I won't put that on you guys, but it seemed like that was kind of the kingmaker game. They went into the bye week and they just haven't quite been the same since then. The defense too has not been the same. And let's be fair, the defense is missing both safeties in this game, star safeties. They're Mm -hmm. missing two of their top three corners. We still have not seen Tredavious White yet this season. Like, Mm -hmm. The secondary is the strength of the team. They built the team around an elite pass defense. And if you're missing your top corner, your nickel corner, and your two stud safeties, yeah, you're going to give up some points. But it turns out that matters. Like, this game, I think, okay, well, before we get to the big picture, a couple other things on this game. I thought the Bills were terrible running the football. They they just couldn't run the ball here. Allen obviously ran well on his plays, but you said 80-whatever yards. Only six plays, and Singletary had a couple of rushing touchdowns, but they were not effective running the ball. Negative, almost .6 EPA per play running the ball. The other area was late downs. The Bills were not good enough on late downs. They weren't terrible, but not enough, and Josh Allen, you expect more there. Kirk Cousins was fantastic on late downs and had some really nice throws in this game. i dump a lot on Kirk Cousins. He had one going like kind of – Wrong direction back across the body. Just perfect zip on it down the stretch there. Almost one EPA per play on late down. So I feel like the late downs were the difference here. Enough to keep the Vikings around. We we build this as the Justin Jefferson, Stefan Diggs trade fallout. That was this is the first time Diggs played the, the Vikings. He had 12 catches, 128 yards. By the way, he had a great catch too. He had the catch of the season for like an hour until Justin Jefferson took it away. Jefferson 10 193 and 1 uh one touchdown. Brandon, you said before the show you had uh, you've got Justin Jefferson I think as your OPOI, correct? No, I got I got the Cousins MVP ticket. Ah, okay, okay. Well, MVP? Okay. Well, let's let's do that then. So let's let's talk MVP here. There's Brandon's ticket. What what number you got on there?
3: Uh, plus 4000 Cousins okay. MVP.
2: So, 4-1 at FanDuel from August. Jill, I'm going to give you the floor here because I know you have some thoughts on Kirk Cousins' MVP. The Vikings are 8-1. Kirk Cousins is the quarterback. You just said wins are not a quarterback stat. Is Kirk Cousins (laughs) a real MVP candidate?
1: Yes and no. He's yes (laughs) from a MVP portfolio standpoint if you're regularly betting futures, like the way that you had gotten a great price on Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I think you need to bet him if he's above plus 2000, because I legitimately think that he is in the top three for MVP voting. If the season was ended today, he would be third in my MVP vote behind Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. I think right now that would be the MVP vote if I had to shake it out, because I can't have Josh Allen in the top three in my MVP right now because 10 interceptions already this year. Last year, he threw 15, and that was kind of what cost him in the second half of the season. You know that he's going to probably get to about another five or six as the season goes. I can't give my MVP a guy who has 15 interceptions unless he's throwing like
2: 60 touchdowns, and I don't see that happening. So uh, I'm with you on part of that. Uh, I, I don't think Kirk is a real MVP candidate. I agree. He's going to be in the conversation. ESPN is going to have the conversation all week long. We do the thing about the quote MVP conversation. Like if this was an NBA ballot and we had a five-man ballot, Kirk Cousins would be in the conversation. He would be possibly the fifth guy on the ballot, but seven straight one square wins. Sure. The quarterback gets some real credit for that. But there's a reason they one square wins. He's the other side of keeping them in it, but also keeping the other team in it. Don't forget, he had two interceptions today, two really bad interceptions today. And for the season, Cousins has 13 touchdowns in nine games. That's, that's not an MVP stat. So uh, I, more valuable players than Kirk Cousins, I think the three guys who are the favorites, Lamar Jackson, Tua, Geno Smith, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Justin Jefferson, his own teammate, I think is probably more valuable even than Kirk Cousins, as valuable as quarterbacks are. The part that I agree with you with, this might be the end, at least for now, this I think is the end of the Josh Allen MVP campaign. He has a very uphill battle to get there now. And and I'm the one that said I thought he was a big favorite before and the injury I thought maybe would end that, but it turns out playing maybe is what ended it. I was looking up this week for... uh, Brendan, on Futures Friday, we talked about Jared Goff to lead the league in interceptions. Yeah. Josh Allen led the league. It leads the league currently in turnover-worthy plays. I was kind of counting on him not playing this week. That was part of the cap. But J- the point of the, with Jared Goff is he was third in that list. Well, Allen was already first, and he's higher now.
0: <laughs>
3: I what I can't get over to is Tua misses a handful of games and then you bet him at plus 8,000 to win MVP in Futures Friday a few weeks ago, and it's all positive for Tua right now in the media. It makes you wonder. I know hindsight's twenty, 20 if you're the Bills, maybe don't even put him out there today, and we're not having this conversation, but we are, and no. he looked okay. So give Josh Allen credit for that health-wise, but then again, when you make – Bad decisions. I think that had more to do with his brain than it did injuries. I want to address something Jill brought up and then we'll move on because this game, again, I think deserves the attention. But Buffalo is still the favorite over at the FanDuel Sportsbook to come out of the AFC mm-hmm. at plus 200, Kansas City next at plus 240. And we can also, in this particular conversation, address the fact that the Bills are now just minus 180 to win the AFC East. Miami hovering behind at plus 240. Do we have thoughts on this? Do we start taking a look at other teams? Conference I would imagine, are we willing to go to Miami, New York or New England in the east?
2: So so right now the Buffalo Bills are the 5 seed. They uh, stay just ahead of the Chargers because of the Chargers loss tonight, but I'll say this the five seed is because they're not leading the division anymore. I believe they are now third in the division, technically speaking, behind the Dolphins and Jets because they lost head to head to both of them. Yep. So, 0-2 the in the is,
3: Buffalo Bills, 0 2 in the AFC East this year. That is, a, that is a true stat.
2: It is a true stat. And the other part of that stat is you play six division games. So, that means there's four left. So, here's what I see on the schedule if you are a soccer fan, When you see teams that are competing either at the top or bottom of the the table, the standings, we call games six-pointers, where it's a three-point swing, a a win either direction. It actually feels like it's two wins. The Bills play four division games still. The Bills also play the Bengals, who are now probably a team that they're possibly competing with for the wild card. They have, by my count, five six-pointer games or or huge swing games where – If you play the Patriots, look, so they play the Browns and the Lions. Maybe that's a great get-right spot. Maybe this means you buy low right now. But then all three division teams in a row at Chicago, Mm -hmm. which no longer looks easy right now, at Cincinnati, and then New England again, you lose one of those division games, any one of those, and it's not just a loss. You're losing to a team that is a tiebreaker over you. They're a team in your division, possibly, like, there are going to be huge swing spots remaining for the Bills' schedule. So here's my take. I don't think the sky is falling for this team. Allen seemed fine health-wise. The safeties, one of them will be back. Trey White, I assume, will play sometime in the next decade. The one seed <laughs> is gone for now. So I don't. you can't make them the Super Bowl favorite. I know the number says they're the favorites. I cannot bet that right now. They are not the one seed. They're not getting that bye week right now until they get back in position. I cannot bet them as the one seed. I am going to have to look at because of the spot that they're in. Do we agree for sure that the Buffalo Bills are a playoff lock? I don't think that they are. The AFC is really tight and this is not a commentary on the Bills, but when that number comes out, will the Bills miss the playoffs? It's going to be a long number still, but... There are three teams in our division all vying for the playoffs. There are the Bengals. There are the Chargers as wild cards. It is no given right now. They are not a lock for the playoffs, especially with that tough schedule coming. To me, that would be the bet that I would think about making. The problem is Browns, Lions, next couple of weeks. Like, I still like the team, but they're going to be in some very, very high leverage spots. Like, when Next Gen puts up those charts that say chance to make the playoffs increases by Forty-five percent on today's game. We're gonna get like four of those Bills games to come. Uh, I'll say this about the Vikings. Obviously, this, the bigger story thing is is the Bills. I don't yep. think this really moves the needle a ton on Vikings futures. There's they're not a real one seed threat still. The Eagles are a game ahead and really two games because mm-hmm. again they beat them head to head. So basically, this kind of locks the Vikings in as a two seed, which used to be a bye week is not anymore. Bummer for Vikings fans. I'm not sure today really changed things on that front. The the division is a foregone conclusion at this point. I fear because I'm a nihilist Vikings fan that today might end up being the Super Bowl win for the Vikings and the high point of the season uh, for a team that we've kind of poo-pooed as a relatively average team. But I would not take today as your sign to go all in on the Vikings but I would never take that day as a Vikings fan. So take that what you will.
3: (laughs) Minnesota, the fifth favorite to win the Super Bowl over at FanDuel. And I think this is telling. The Niners played a depleted Chargers team tonight, and there's still a slight edge over the Vikings to uh, win in the NFC. Eagles being the favorite at plus 195. Let's go to Packers and Cowboys, and we'll move it along here after, again, what was the game of the year in the NFL today, the Vikings and the Bills. So Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, he continues to own, Jill, he continues to own the Dallas Cowboys. Mike McCarthy just got in his own way again there down the stretch. But Aaron Rodgers and Christian Watson, they have developed a little something here. Got to give Aaron credit. They made plays when they had to. Yeah, I mean, Mike McCarthy did something that he
1: couldn't do in the final two seasons in Green Bay, and that was – Get the Packers back on track, like it was ridiculous. (laughs) Like, like so the Cowboys brand is the biggest in the NFL. Do you know what else is on brand? Dak Prescott throwing stupid interceptions, like in critical moments. Like, just blows my mind, man, because it's a couple unsolicited Dak picks. That's what my buddy texted me, and I was just like, That's pretty good. That's a pretty good one-liner right there. But (laughs) again. All in all, from a Cowboys offense standpoint until we get to overtime and you decide to go for it on fourth down, which I do agree with, which was a solid call, just not a solid play call of shifting (laughs) CeeDee Lamb towards Jair Alexander for one-on-one coverage. You do not want to put your best wide receiver on the best corner. What are you doing? So – Amari Rogers again, special teams, again, is for Green Bay. That was another botched moment. Uh, Seven fumbles since the beginning of last year for Amari Rodgers now. That's the second most in the NFL, and he's only done it on 64 touches, by the way, so I wanted to just at least stick it to a Packers fan for anybody uh, who was thinking about that. But, yeah, Christian Watson, four catches, three touchdowns, and really the biggest disappointment of this game after uh, Aaron Rodgers covers as his Biggest home dog in his career is the Cowboys were one hundred and ninety five and O when leading by fourteen points entering a fourth quarter. Well, today now they are one ninety five and one. So for me, I just I am speechless at just the fact that how this game unfolded when Ceedee Lamb scored that second touchdown. I thought the game was over, and it was not. And now the Packers are alive and well in the NFC. They'll, uh, I don't even know if I could say that legitimately. They are, they have a pulse.
3: They're alive. Roger Rogers, eight and two straight up, seven and three against the spread now in his career against Dallas, Brandon.
2: Yeah. And six and one against the spread as a home underdog, covered by almost 11 points a game, five, one and one straight up in the regular season in that spot. Yeah. I agree with you, Joe. I don't know that Aaron Rogers won the game per se. Dak Prescott lost the game. That's what happened. Those two interceptions were rough. Dak wasn't going to lay down. They've been great. I I don't know that this is the end of the Cowboys, McCarthy and Dak. They just kind of have this game a couple times a year. I think it was that game. And, uh, you know, I'm excited for Christian Watson, North Dakota state, big coming out party. Glad to see (laughs) him finally catch some passes.
3: Chargers and Niners. This game was the final game of week 10 Sunday And the Chargers had a commanding lead. It was going very well. Justin Herbert looked in control. I thought Chris Collinsworth made a great note on the broadcast. Defensively, they felt intact. They were giving him time to throw despite all of their problems. And we won't spend time on specifics, but Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and then key guys on the defense being out. And somehow they're, they're in control of this game. San Francisco off a of bye. They've got nothing going. You'd you think, oh, Kyle Shanahan off a of bye. He's going to have some new tricks in the playbook. And he'll be having a lot of fun reading that play sheet. But as it turns out, the Chargers couldn't hold on. Brandon, I saw you tweet this at the end. I, you, you got me. I thought the same thing. Clock management in prime time. It just, just, just always delivers. That is a, a cheap Cheap, bad movie you want to go watch? Go watch Clock Management in prime time. Brutal. 40 seconds off the clock, Brandon Staley. Just wasted time for the Chargers. Um, Niners get there, 22-16, but the Chargers do cover plus eight. I never really understood why the number was as high as it was. I guess the injuries do matter, though, to some degree.
2: It was high, and, and, uh, you know, the Chargers covered because, let's be honest, they made the goal line stand and the Niners set up clear a field goal on the last play, probably should have gone for it from game theory standpoint. So it's wild how many of these plays come, or you know, spreads come down to like one play either direction. So I was on chargers. Thank you 49ers for failing to stop that last yard in. So I appreciate that. Justin Herbert now is, so the chargers did not score in the second half after being up four at halftime. Herbert lifetime is now 11, 28 and two against the spread in the second half. That is a 28% cover rate that includes two and seven ATS this season in the second half. Again, not all the quarterback. This is a team stat that's Herbert that's Brandon Staley that's failure. And in this case, I'll give them some credit. They just ran out of bodies, especially on the D line. They literally had three healthy dudes left and the team, maybe the last team you want to play or certainly one of them when you have no D lineman left is the 49ers rushing attack with, Brent Williams, Elijah Mitchell, suddenly back 18 carries. Sorry to Christian McCaffrey fantasy owners. But uh, to me, my takeaway was this, and it's always the same takeaway. Number one, the 49ers defense was swarming in their back. That's good. Mm -hmm. Number two, no surprise. Joe Lombardi sucks. Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator for the Chargers, Mm -hmm. Get him out of here. I was going to read off for you his first down yardage totals. I'm not going to do it because it's 22 plays. But let me summarize for you. Twenty-two times the Chargers had a, ran a first down play in this game. They had a 32-yard touchdown, on one of them. They picked up 12 on one of them. The next highest yardage total out of 20 other first downs is eight. And I see a zero, one, two, two, zero, negative zero, zero, one, negative, negative zero, two, 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 and the game-ending uh, interception on the last play. Those are the first downs. Those are your best plays to run to set your team up, and they're constantly failing herbert with the check down all game long guess what we get to watch them again in primetime next sunday night because we flex that one in i'll say the same thing about the chargers as i did about the bills but even more so for the chargers they're five and four i think we think they're a playoff team i'm not sure that they're necessarily in there they got chiefs next at arizona at vegas and then dolphins titans who are really tough this could go very poorly as short as they are up and down the roster
3: all right, Brandon's off the island tonight. We're not going to tra- talk about it. Uh, Seattle uh, did not win outright. It's it's interesting how Brandon doesn't want to talk about the Seahawks now because they, they lost today. <laughs> I was at church, all right? <laughs> all right, fair enough. 9.30 start in Munich, Germany. Um, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, they defeat the Seattle Seahawks. Jill, 21-16, Bucks cover two and a half.
2: Yeah,
1: you'd be surprised at what the Bucks' offense can look like when they run the ball. I mean, they ran yeah. it 44 times today. That was the most in any game this season. They had never topped 20 rushing attempts in any game yet this season. So, yeah, the the hawks as uh, the Germans might call them, uh, valiant effort, uh, but their run defense just got diced like all game. They couldn't tackle. And, you know, Geno, uh, despite the fumble, you know, the rushing fumble that I, you know, was uh, – Probably put a nail in the coffin on an MVP case at this point, but got it to 21-17. Uh, there's about three and a half minutes left in the game, but the Bucks basically just ran it down their throats again. They got three straight first downs and pretty much just kneeled out the game. And the Bucs, uh, they're five and five uh, all of a sudden. I don't think we can pour dirt on them all, all the way now because – They lead the NFC South because of how bad that division is at five and five. So, uh, you know, it's just Brady. uh, I'm not sure if the season is uh, back on track for them, but uh, their defense, they can keep up with almost anybody. It's just whether or not their offense is going to be able to actually have a balanced attack and be able to
3: score. And when they do, you saw it. Tampa's number to win the division was at minus 135 at the beginning of last week. And now it is at minus minus four twenty. With Atlanta and next at plus six hundred, and for Gino, I didn't feel like all right. He he finally had the game we all thought he was going to have like three weeks ago. Like this guy just can't keep doing this, right? So the the heater comes to a bit of an end. Um, so Detroit and Chicago, Brandon the the Bears had they they had it, and those Lions they the, the Lions the Bears kind of did what the Lions do. Like that's that's what I kept thinking about. Like oh. <laughs> The, the, the Lions are getting help from what they would normally do to the opponent, but the Bears did it to them and a missed extra point does them in. The Lions went outright 31-30 and they were getting three points in this game.
2: Yeah, I had that same note at the missed extra point. You get this amazing Justin Fields touchdown run to retake the lead and then you miss the extra point point, end up losing by that point. I wrote, oh, that's pretty bearsy," And I thought, wait, but they're playing the Lions. They can't both <laughs> be the Lions to each other. So, yeah, I... I may, we'll see how this goes. I may have to move soon from Seattle Island to Justin Fields. Did that work? Could it be a place? Okay, so yeah, Justin Fields. Justin Fields is the takeaway from this game. Fields is that dude. He is electric. Incredible runner. Incredible speed for a dude his size. 147 rushing yards and two scores again. He now has, over the last five games, 549 rushing yards, which is a record for a quarterback over five games. I made a list of all the fun and exciting Bears from the last 25 years. Mm -hmm. It's Devin Hester and Justin Fields. End of list. But Justin Fields is awesome. I live in the area. The Bears are on every week. I cannot wait to watch this guy week after week after week. And we've been saying Bears overs, Lions overs. Well, they played each other, and it went way over. So keep looking for both these teams. Jared Goff, pretty good in this game. Sure, we'll mention him. That's good, though, because that means the Lions offense is scoring a little bit again. Bears are the first team in history to score 29 or more three straight games and lose all three of them. So that's not great. And our guy Cole Komet, local, local hero, because Notre Dame is the local Chicago school. First Bear to record back-to-back two touchdown receiving games since Johnny Morris, 1964, which is truly really pathetic. So the Bears, they got the loss. Sure. They're, they're fun. That's all we really need. All you care about as a Bears fan is does Justin Fields look like that dude? And boy, does he ever.
3: And they have a ton of cap space for next year. So with with the moves they made at the deadline. So they are going to be interested in spending. I know they got Claypool in the trade, but feels like they'll be even, if anything, they're, they're going to convince folks to come want to play with this guy, perhaps um, the way he's looked. So. Moving on uh here in the pod, we go to <laughs> Indianapolis and in Vegas. Sorry, I just lost my spot where we were. And I just, I just start giggling as I see Colts and Raiders and, and Jeff Saturday won his first game as a coach, 25 to 20. He, they had a lead and, and, and Josh McDaniels couldn't figure this one out, Jill. They, they just couldn't, uh, Devontae Adams had a long touchdown. That's cool, but Derek Carr's crying after the game because it has not gone their way, and he's had a really rough go, to be fair to the guy. How many coaches has he he had now in Vegas and Oakland? Um, This is rock-bottom stuff for the Raiders. Yeah, this
1: game is a perfect example of how to teach anger management to people because you can only control what you can control. And you know what I can't control? What's that Jeff Saturday, making a last minute pivot and changing his quarterback to Matt Ryan. Like that to me, the books didn't know that the way that no way that the total was set this way. Cause this is betting malpractice as far as I'm concerned. Like there was no inclination that or hint that Matt Ryan was going to start. And Jeff Saturday just goes completely sideways um, because I had capped the under 41 and a half in this game. And with 16 minutes to go, you get a Taylor 60, 66 yard touchdown. Then you get a Devontae Adams, 48-yard touchdown with 11 minutes to go. There's 39 points scored with five minutes to go. Okay, we're sitting here. There's no way that anything could happen here. And Matt Ryan rushes for 39 yards on a third and three in his own territory in the fourth quarter. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, I do my best to not swear on this pod. But, oh, my God, Like, it just blew my goddamn mind that that happened. Um, and now it feels like anybody could just come down from the booth and coach. Like, I mean, is Dan Orlovsky busy? Like, you know what I mean? Ladanian Tomlinson. Like I like, I like Sebastian Janikowski to come <laughs> in and coach the Raiders. That's what I thought. like. It's ridiculous. And like I, earlier this week, like for anybody who's on Twitter, there's a lot of fake checkmark stuff going on right now. And there was a fake checkmark Adam Schefter that tweeted that Josh McDaniels was fired earlier this week and people are like, Oh, you know, crazy rumors. I don't really feel like that's a rumor. I feel like Josh McDaniels needs to go like that. That's ridiculous to be able to lose to an interim television announcer coach like that. Like that should be your
3: job that day. Okay. Six to go. Let's zip right through these nice hit on the podcast. Fellas Pittsburgh beat new Orleans, 20 to 10 outright. Jill had a money line. Brandon got it. Brandon got him with some points as well as uh Luke Swain. So no matter what you guys got there, um, Steelers off of Steelers get healthy right that was the story of the game Steelers healthy and the Saints are kind of lost
2: yeah that's pretty much a dominant defensive performance so we said that Pittsburgh's defense will be back TJ Watt apparently really is that much much of a difference maker they only allowed 186 yards nearly double time of possession 10 first downs allowed this wasn't even as close as it was 20 to 10 they were two and five in the red zone or this would have been a slaughter so I think the Saints are cooked even in that division. And uh, I said this before, I'll say it again. You can just mark me down right now for our next podcast. Give me the Steelers against the Bengals. I have a long case ready to make for that one. This didn't end up being a rah-rah spot because the Steelers end up being favored by game day, but they will be next week. We will be taking them.
3: Jill, did you watch Wolford v. McCoy? The Cardinals beat the Rams outright 27-17. They were 3-point underdogs and uh if you got him at three and a half good for you cliff kingsbury on the road underdog he got there with colt mccoy not kyler
1: Wolf or mccoy it sounds like a, a bill that was just overturned or something like that <laughs> like like i think the only thing that you take away from this three words rams are done it's they're three and six now and their only offensive weapon cooper cup Looks to have hurt his ankle. He's probably going to miss at least a couple weeks. They said it wasn't worst-case scenario, but said it didn't look good. He's probably not going to be back by next week. Kingsbury's an underdog comes through again. I'm sure we can add to the boatload of trends that we have in that spot. And A.J. Green, the the corpse lives. I mean, he scored again. I haven't seen him in a long time, and he scored as a plus 900 anytime touchdown score.
3: The Island may have been in slight ruin when Brandon got home from church, but then he put on the game and saw the Dolphins dominating the Browns. And that is looking good for Tua and company 39-17. This was a favorite that handled their business handedly, cover, covering three and a half points.
2: Yeah, honestly, can 39-17 may actually be doing the Browns some favors here. The Browns defense was number four the last two games and holy crap, Miami's offense did literally anything it wanted in this game. They did not punt the entire game. They had almost 500 yards of offense. Each time you get a new first down is is a series. The Dolphins offense was successful on 29 out of 32 series in this game. 91% that basically every time they have, they're the opposite. All those numbers I read off about the Chargers, the Dolphins are the opposite of that. That two MVP ticket. They are number one in the division now two weeks later. Can't say I saw that coming, but that may have some legs now. They're going to, you know, still got to keep going, but Tua keeps putting the numbers up. That Dolphins offense is something different right now.
3: Giants improved a seven and two. They cover the spread of five and a half against the Houston Texans, Jill. Two ground attacks here. Saquon was excellent. And the Texans are like stubborn. They just will they'll just keep running the ball no matter what the score is. But they just, this felt like, a all right, we're a good team. We came out of the bye, we beat a team we're supposed to beat, and we move on. That's what this felt like to me.
1: Yep, pretty much went to script, Brendan. I mean, the Giants ran all over the NFL's worst running defense. So Saquon had career-high 35 carries, 130 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, I think it's important to note, though, the Giants 7-2 and two, seven and one straight up in one score games this season so a lot of people want to talk about the luck factor with the cowboys the giants have a big old horseshoe up their ass at this point and right now their win total sitting at seven and a half seven and two now i think they're going to comfortably go over they're definitely going to get another win before
3: the end of the year seven and two against the spread the only other team that has a better record is the same record as them the tennessee titans at seven and two Kansas City, Brandon, with a uh, they covered they covered by a half point. If you got the Jaguars nine and a half, apologies. Chiefs twenty seven, Jags seventeen. Not really sure here either. I just feel like Kansas City is that's just they handled their stuff today, and they probably deserve a little more attention because of what's going on with the Bills right now. But uh, Kansas City is in good position overall as well.
2: Yeah, that's the takeaway for me. And not much to say about this game. Mahomes was awesome. Four touchdowns, 331. Kadarius Tony first touchdown for the Chiefs. <laughs> Amazing how that hamstring heals up real good when you got Patrick throwing you the ball. But yeah, Chiefs 7-2 now. They're a full game clear of every AFC team. And uh, they obviously have a tiebreaker win over one of the division favorites. They're clearly now in the driver's seat for the one seat in the AFC. I think, too, that Pat Mahomes is in the driver's seat for the MVP. I know Jalen Hurts is out there. I know the Eagles have not lost yet, but I think that the one seed in the AFC is the kingmaker for who will win MVP. And the Chiefs are in great position now. So I'm going to be looking at futures for Chiefs things because they today was a big win for them. Taking care of business against the Jaguars, fine. They ruled them. But the way that the Bills have imploded since that game a month ago, everything is coming up Chiefs right now.
3: Ah, yes, and our final frozen pizza to come out of the oven remains burnt. It's a a piece of of the danger witch. I'm thinking of what Russell Wilson says in the commercial, but he says a lot of weird stuff that's very cringeworthy. But anyway, positive Russ. Got to give him credit for that until you throw another pick to end the game, Jill. 17-10, the Titans win and cover two and a half against Russ and the Broncos.
1: Yeah, this one's still a little frozen in the middle. Uh, Yeah, just another week, another... Broncos game for me, I guess, uh, just classic troll job by you two as well. So, uh, but yes, uh, nine punts to start the game. Then You get a Jalen Virgil bomb, a flea flicker to Westbrook and Kenye. Like neither team could really get anything going. Broncos unders now eight and one on the season. Average combined score in those games are 28 points. Uh, you're going to be seeing a lot more unders at this, at this rate, because even coming out of the bye, this is the best that the Broncos offense could muster.
3: They're hitting the under at the highest rate in the NFL. Tampa and India, two and eight. But yep, there's Denver at one and eight to the over, eight and one to the under, of course. So good week for the best bets episode from last Thursday, six and three. So we're 52, 36 and two for the season. That's not too shabby, fellas. Underdogs go seven and five today. Six of the seven won outright. Vikings, Packers, Lions, Colts, Steelers. Cardinals, and as a reminder, you can follow along the Best Bets episode as well as the Sunday six-pack from Stucky and Raybon over in the Action app by following Action Network NFL picks. Let's go to Monday Night Football. We'll do the hot read, and we'll get the hell out of here. Commanders-Eagles wraps up Week 10. Philadelphia, 10 and a half point favorites, totals at 43 and a half. We'll get to touchdown scores with Jill momentarily. But Brandon, you hear that total, you hear the spread. What do you think?
2: I like the Eagles, but I like the Eagles first half. You know, we've done this before Mm -hmm. and you might be feeling burned because I think probably the last time we saw the Eagles, that was that Eagles-Texans Thursday night game, that first half pick, the whole world was on it because everyone was quoting the whole... Eagles are 7-0 ATS in the first half. Well, guess what? They're 7-1 and now because that did not go well for the Texans. But I'm going back to the well here. It's not just the Eagles. Washington is terrible in the first half. They have the league's worst DVOA offense in the first quarter. They're 30th ranked in the first half. And the Eagles continue to be number one offensively in the first half, number two defensively. And these teams played already, and that's exactly how it played out. The Eagles had a 24-0 second quarter. Led by that score at the half and just coasted to victory. So at the line 10 and a half, I'm usually looking for some way. If that's the team that I like, how do I get out of that? How do I get under some key numbers? So first half play is a minus six and a half. So that's a good way to get under the key number there. Last time they played, Philadelphia sacked Washington nine times. So that was Carson Wentz, who my guy loves to hold on the ball and eat some sacks, but I'm not sure Taylor Heineke's offense has really been much better. So I I like the Eagles here. I think the game sets up pretty well for them and should be somewhat similar to last time. So I'll take the first half.
3: Okay. When these teams met, that was week three, and the final score was 24-8. to And that's, yeah, when Wentz was quarterback. And now the commanders feel a little more feisty lately um, with Heineke under center and a little more life for Ron Rivera's team. Jill, as it pertains to touchdown scores, you've got – sanders hurts and brown all hovering around even money and then you got some opportunities there what 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 do you like from a touchdown perspective i think devontae smith is the first guy
1: that stands out at plus 200 he pretty much cooked them in the last matchup eight catches on 12 targets 160 yards and a touchdown so i think that would probably be the easiest way to look from an Eagles standpoint on the commander's side though kind of looking at Logan Thomas, because I don't think you want any part of McLaurin or Dotson in this matchup playing against Slay and Bradbury in this environment. I think over the middle and through the slot is probably the best way that you're going to be able to get a touchdown from a commander standpoint. And he hasn't had targets really over the last couple of weeks, even though he is still playing about 60% of the targets. So Logan Thomas at plus eight fifty is the guy
3: that I'm looking at right now for the commanders. Yeah. He had, couple catches against them in the first matchup, three targets overall. But again, I feel like they've uncovered something here with, with Heineke. It's not that great, but it just feels like there's a little more belief for the for the commanders these days. All right. Uh, now it's time to take a quick look at NFL Week 11 and the lines there. It's time to kick off the hot read. Hot rock Blue 17. on Ice rights. Ice cream. Jose. Blue Raiders. 19 salad.
1: 19. Double. Louisville Soul Ready. Train. Hot.
3: So in this segment, we are going to discuss spreads that we're looking at a week in advance. And again, it's not so much about the matchup, folks. It's about anticipating line movement before kickoff. So this is the best way to do that. You get a look at it now before it moves later in the week. Sometimes, Brandon, you turn to Thursday night, so it is important to listen right away. But uh, Thursday night felt like early in the year for you. And now it's been more so looking ahead to the following Sunday or Monday. What do you like for week 11?
2: Yeah, no thank you to Thursday night. I am not having luck with the Titans games this year, so we'll see what happens on that one. I'm going to go back to our Buffalo Bills. We talked a lot about them. I rained on a lot of future Bills Super Bowl parades. I'm throwing a parade next week. I'll take the Bills minus eight and a half at home in a bounce back spot against the Browns. We talked about the Browns against the Dolphins, how they got blown out, could not make a stop to save their lives. Well, guess what? The Bills run a pretty similar sort of offense and uh, just as powerful of one. So I think we're going to make it a similar looking game. We're getting the Bills, I think, at a bit of a discount here. It's minus eight and a half. That's what the line was when I took the Vikings this time last week before we knew Allen was getting hurt. So we're pricing the Vikings the same as the Browns? Are you kidding me? Like, come on. The Vikings are not the most unfraudulent seven and one, now eight and one team in the world. But get out of here with the Browns pricing the same. Allen looks fine. I'm not that worried there. Defense should get a couple more guys back, should be a little healthier. And then the other thing too, we talked about this before, the Bills are struggling in these one-score games, right? Well, this is not a one-score line. So can the Bills cover and win by nine or more? Well, they have won four out of their six wins this season, would have covered this line. All 12 wins last year covered this line. In fact, Buffalo, when they win, has covered eight and a half, 24 of their last 27 wins. So basically, you have to ask yourself, do the Buffalo Bills on a two-game losing streak with the season in the brink, do they win against the terrible Browns and Jacoby Brissett? If you think they win, you take the cover. If you want the cover, you play it now. Because at eight and a half, I'll tell you this too, if you like an early week teaser, this is a great spot for a teaser. You go down six points, Bills minus two and a half, you only got to win by a field goal now. So if you want a teaser, there's a great spot for that. That's also exactly why this line is going up because the books are not going to want to leave that one hanging out there for you. So tease it with the Eagles, big favorite if you want. Tease it with my Steelers up to a plus 10.5 for them. I'll just take it straight up. Give me the Bills, minus 8.5. I think that line probably gets to double digits and beyond. Yeah. Okay. By the way, one other thing, we talked about the second half struggles for the Bills. No touchdowns since week six against the Chiefs, Brandon, you said. However, the Browns are terrible in the second half. They only have covered, they've failed to cover 35 out of 52 second halves. So 67%, basically two out of every three. So there are going to be other spots to fade the bills, worry about their defense or that sort of thing later on, but I like them to get the job done here.
3: Okay, very good. Uh, That's it. We're going to wrap it up again as a reminder. um, We are also doing other great stuff here on the Action Network podcast. If you're looking to bet some basketball, we have... Two pieces of news for you. First off, we've been telling you about Buckets, Action Network's NBA betting podcast. It's well underway. Episodes drop every weekday. Stay caught up with every angle of our NBA betting experts' picks and tune in there. Also, college basketball is back. Action Network's Big Bets on Campus podcast will be adding an episode featuring the three-man weave every Wednesday leading up to March Madness Still, plenty of college football to listen to on that pod, but also uh, with college hoops starting up, we want to make sure we uh, we get coverage there. So, enjoy. You can listen to Buckets and BBOC wherever you get your podcast. Just hit that subscribe button. As for the Action Network podcast, tune in Wednesday mornings for Raybon and Kerner's player projection episode. Then Thursday mornings, Raybon and Stucky with their NFL betting preview. And featuring the Sunday six-pack and Friday mornings, check out our NFL Best Bets episodes for Joe Gallop, Brandon Anderson, Brendan Blasheen. Thanks for tuning into the NFL Week 10 betting recap episode, your Monday night preview between the Eagles and Commanders, and also our Hot Read segments. We will join you again next week. See you later.